On this week of the Fantasy Fallout Podcast, Brandon and I will be breaking down week two of the NFL season. We'll be going over all the major performances, telling you what injuries you need to know about, and going over what players you should be targeting in your leagues. All this and more on this week's episode of the Fantasy Fallout Podcast. Welcome back to the Fantasy Fallout Podcast. Today is Tuesday, September 20th. And Brandon, what a thrilling week of games. Really? There were so many good ones. Jake, what was your favorite? I think my favorite... Well, my favorite, I actually think my favorite was the Detroit Lions against the Washington Commanders. Why is that, Jake? There were so many great finishes this week, and that game was a slaughter. Well, the easy answer is going to be uh, the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, That game was absolutely amazing to watch as an Eagles fan. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked amazing. He did everything that we asked that he would do and more. He's looking increasingly like a franchise quarterback, but I chose this. I chose the Lions versus the Washington Commanders for one simple reason. It's proving us right, Brandon. Not only about the Lions offense, but about Amon Rossi Brown. Yeah, certainly making us uh, look smart this season, for at least at the beginning, that's for sure. He's Absolutely. keeping up those crazy target shares, Jake. That's impossible. I I know he's also just super efficient. He does absolutely everything on the football field. It's really amazing to watch. Uh, the Lions' offense looks actually really good, and we'll get into that in a minute because the Lions have, I believe, three top ten players at their respective positions. Two of which are in the top three. Uh, let me just check to see where T.J. Hawkinson is. Uh, in case you don't know what we're talking about. Uh, DeAndre Swift is averaging 10 yards a carry, and he is the running back three. Uh, Amon Rossi, Brown, depending on what format, is as high as the wide receiver two. And TJ Hawkinson for fantasy at tight end in a position that is very, very shallow is putting up pretty respectable numbers here. He is <sighs> That might be a little bit of a stretch shake. I'm seeing him at tight end 20. Yeah, I'm seeing that too, but you know, 6.7 points per game, not terrible. Certainly better than Cole Komet. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking about him plenty. Uh, his game definitely wasn't my favorite game of the week. The Packers had that one pretty much handled the whole way through. Um, but I think my favorite game was the Jets versus the Browns. Uh, we oh, got Jeff Flacco back. Good throwing touchdowns uh, in clutch situations, uh, making a historic under two-minute comeback and leading the Jets to their first win of the year um, against a supposedly very good Browns defense. So very excited to see that. For fantasy, it was strange. You know, the Jets scored 31 points. Joe Flacco threw four touchdowns. It was great. Um, but outside of Garrett Wilson on the Jets, not too much to get excited about. Corey Davis took a lot of work from Elijah Moore, and uh, Michael Carter and Brees Hall split that backfield perfectly down the middle this past week, leaving both of them you know, outside of flex territory. Um, so Garrett Wilson's the guy, though. It seems like Joe Flacco likes him. 
Um, he he plays the the third most snaps of any of the Jets receivers behind Moore and Davis, but he's just been incredibly productive so far. So you drafted him, you know, in the thirteenth round. You, you should be happy. Joe Flacco has Joe Flacco likes him. Yeah, and I'm finding it really strange that the Jets are using Corey Davis as much as they are. I'm expecting that to change because Corey Davis is not as good as Elijah Moore. But we'll we'll get into that a little bit later in our buy low targets. Uh, getting right into the news, uh, Thursday, Justin Herbert fractured his ribs. I believe the Chargers said he's day-to-day, but I'm not expecting him to play next week. I don't think they risk it. He gets uh, 10 days off because he played on Thursday, but I I doubt that he plays this week. Um, But they can stretch that to 17 days off. He only has to miss one game. So that seems like a pretty smart move. Um, And and we've seen quarterbacks play with fractured ribs in the past. And um, the results, at least from my memory, uh, you know, that's been a pretty tough situation for quarterbacks. If your ribs are broken, you really don't want to stay in the pocket and take those hits. Um, and you certainly don't want to run the ball and take those hits. So you're not left with uh, too many options. Um, so I think it's probably best for the Chargers if Chase Daniel starts uh, their game next week. Jake, do you know what they play? The Jaguars, right? Uh, yeah, they play the Jaguars. I mean, yeah, if so- there's a game for Herbert to be out, it's probably that one. <laughs> Chase Daniel versus Trevor Lawrence? I don't know, Jake. I think the Jaguars might be uh, maybe sneaky – Sneaky smart underdog play um, in that one. Um, Especially, I mean, they're winning the division right now, aren't they? It's true. It's true. They absolutely are. Um, right. But yeah, no, obvious downgrade for all the Chargers players. I think the whole offense is significantly worse with Chase Daniel. Um, it's possible, like, it's a slight upgrade to Joshua Kelly. Maybe he'll get more carries. But I think everyone else gets a downgrade. Do you agree, Jake? Yeah, and, and and it's not like a situation where it's Dak and you know that the Cowboys are going to run more. It's the Chargers offense pretty much goes through Justin Herbert. He's in elite presence on the field. He really is just taking command of that team. And with him out, I expect every player to have a major downgrade. Maybe yeah, – Ace Daniels targets Mike Williams a lot more if Keenan Allen is out again. Yeah, I think the hope is that, um, you know, for whatever reason, Brandon Staley insists on having Justin Herbert throw the large majority of his passes very, very short. Um, And and that's likely what Chase Daniel prefers. So, you know, you can hope that it won't be that different. Um, That's your hope. But there's no way uh, you're excited about those guys. I think they all fall down. You know, Mike Williams is probably more of a flex play than a wide receiver, too, with Chase Daniel. Uh, Jake, that's that's only if Keenan Allen is out. If Keenan right. Allen is in, I'm not starting Mike Williams. Um, I think, I mean, he was, he was a third-round pick, Jake. I think he's, he's still probably startable, but definitely not as somebody you're excited about anymore. Uh, Jake, yeah. Alvin Kamara missed this week's game, also with ribs. What do you expect to happen with him? So, going into Sunday, there were rumors that Kamara actually was going to play. I think what the Saints did is they uh, took a look at the game. They they knew it was the Bucs. The Bucs and Saints are always very physical. Uh, 
they they took a look at Kamara's health. They said he probably could play, but maybe in this type of environment, we're going to have a very physical, very violent game. We don't want to risk it. We'll give him the extra time to rest. I'm not too concerned about Alvin Kamara yet. If he misses another week or so, then I'm starting to think that maybe his ribs were fractured and they're not letting us on to that. But for now, I'm not too worried. I think maybe he had sore or bruised ribs, uh, getting hit a lot. Uh, And I think they just wanted to play a little cautiously and give him the rest. Yep. Uh, it looked like they definitely needed him out there this week. So, um, you know, I think that that probably will motivate him to come back um, this coming week if everything goes according to plan there. Um, but we'll talk about more about the Saints later, I'm sure. Uh, next up, Jerry Judy left the game with an injury, Jake. Also ribs, uh, but we think he's going to be back, right? Yeah, they were initially port- reporting this as a shoulder injury. Uh, they corrected it after the game. It was a real injury. A great news that the x-rays came back negative, Jerry Judy's day-to-day. I think that at this point, it's just a pain tolerance thing. And if Judy is able to tolerate the pain, he's going to be out there. And quite frankly, the Broncos need him out there because they do not look good. Yeah, no, they looked really, really rough two weeks in a row. I will say that when Jerry Judy's been in there, I, I think he's looked pretty good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him and Sutton when he comes back because Sutton clearly took over when he was gone. Um, but, but I think I'm, I'm really not too worried about any of the guys on that offense for fantasy. I'm more worried about that team, uh, you know, from a real football perspective. Yeah, I mean, uh, during our division breakdown, we had the Broncos in last place. There was no guarantee that they were actually going to win this division. Not with Justin Herbert, not with Patrick Mahomes. And it's seeming so far that that prediction is coming true. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett has just absolutely butchered clock management and, and situational football. There, There's no way you're going to win enough games to win your division, let alone make the playoffs in an absolutely stacked AFC with that type of coaching. So they need to step it up in the Colorado Rockies. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it was uh, pretty embarrassing um, what was going on this week, especially following last week. But the Denver defense does look pretty good, and the Raiders are also 0-2. So I'm not ready to write off Denver quite yet. Um, another team that is in flux, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Trey Lance went down with a broken ankle. Um, it has report, been reported that he's going to be out for the season. Um, Jake, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to take over there, and he has a very, very um, incentive-laden contract that pays him per win at this point. Uh, do we like Jimmy Garoppolo? coming to the 49ers. I I don't like I don't like this. Uh Jimmy last year was a gunslinger with all of the risk and none of the reward. He he really was not very good. And if you watched him, you would have been shocked to see the 49ers make the NFC Championship game. Uh San Francisco looks worse 
uh, on offense this year than they did last year. Uh, even with Trey Lance in there, it wasn't really improving. Uh, it's it's really unfortunate that he was hurt because now we need to wait another year to see what he can do. And this year we're going back to the Jimmy Garoppolo show. That means dinking and dunking and then deep shots that are intercepted. So I'm not looking forward to this. And while we're on the topic, the 49ers play the Broncos this week. I'm considering both defenses as viable options because both of these both of these offenses have not looked very good. So I'm not expecting a very high-scoring game here. I'm expecting people to fall asleep by the third quarter. And <laughs> it's it's just going to be ugly, ugly football. And no one is going to win. All right. Jake says bet the under. Um, I do think that this offense is really, really missing George Kittle. And until George Kittle comes back, I expect relatively similar results with Jimmy G that we had with Trey Lance. But George Kittle is a real difference maker. Um, and I think once he's back, um, you know, people's target volumes might be less steady, but the offense as a whole will be scoring more touchdowns for sure. Um, Jake, next up, we have Michael Pittman. He missed this week's game with a quad injury. It looked like he was going to play for most of the week, um, but then on Sunday they said he's not going to play, and the Colts looked horrible as a result. Uh, Michael Pittman's supposed to be back next week. Um, what would you say, Jake, 1 to 10 panic meter for the Colts? Uh, 11. So you – hear me out here. You go into the offseason and you dump Carson Wentz. All right, fine. I get the decision. Maybe they were behind the scenes – issues that led to internal strife but keep in mind Carson Wentz played pretty well for Indianapolis for the most part last year aside from those last two games you dump Carson Wentz bring in Matt Ryan so you needed a mature quarterback to lead you to the playoffs right Matt Ryan is not a bad quarterback by any means but he's definitely on the older side he's getting towards the end of his career and so far it looks like this may be the last year of his career uh Going in, you embarrass yourself against the Texans, a team that was widely considered in contention for the number one overall pick. Uh, you tie the Texans, and then you follow that up by scoring a whopping zero points against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team last year that earned the number one overall pick. So if I'm Indianapolis, I, I'm my pants are on fire. The statistic behind teams starting 0-2 and making the playoffs is very grim. And for an Indianapolis Colts team that was shooting for the playoffs and then some, this is a very, very grim outlook. You need Michael Pittman back. Clearly without him, the offense could not do anything. But this injury, which randomly occurred in a Wednesday practice, and only got worse may may be a long-term issue all season. We might see Michael Pittman on and off the injury report all year, and the Colts really can't afford that at this point. Yeah, no, um, I think if you're the Colts fan, you're you're kind of just hoping, you know, week one was a tie, was a fluke, and you're hoping 
that the Jaguars are just really good. Um, but that's definitely an optimistic point of view. Um, but, you know, the Colts offense, why we liked Michael Pittman so much is because he's far and away the best receiving option on this team, which, you know, in week one led to a crazy high target share that we certainly enjoyed as fantasy players. But when you take that player away from that offense, you know, they're bound to suffer. Um, another injury. Let Jake. me correct myself real quick. I said the Colts started 0-2. They started 0-1-1. It just feels like they started 0-2. It does feel like so I think the statistic still applies. Um, but that team's gonna get Shaq Leonard back. Um, and that should help a little bit as well. Um Who did the Colts play this week, Brandon. This week, let's see, Jake. The Colts play the Chiefs. So uh. Yeah, so maybe they're starting 0-2 and 1. <laughs> Certainly seems like it. I bet you the Chiefs are a touchdown favorite in that game, even on the on the road. Um, James Conner, Jake, little ankle injury. He's day-to-day. Um, this is a player that's been injured frequently in the past. Um, his backups are pretty bad, though. I, I'm not super concerned for James Conner, and I'm not super excited about the backups. What do you think, Jake? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really targeting anyone in the backfield here. I know I have uh, them on my interest in the waiver wire, but none of them are like really exciting enough for me. I also think James Conner is going to end up playing this week, so I'm not really focused too much on this. Dalton yeah. Schultz has a PCL knee injury, though, and he is questionable for next week. I'm not expecting him to play against the Giants. Yeah, no, if it's a PCL injury, um, it's hard to imagine him playing anytime soon at all. Um, Dalton Schultz has been solid this year. Um, this certainly will help um, C.D. Lamb get, you know, his target share will go from 50% to 80%, as far as I'm concerned. Um but that offense is going to struggle. You know, it's down two of its five best players uh, just two weeks into the year. Um, and last one we have here is Mike Evans was suspended for one game uh, for getting into a fight with Marshawn Lattimore. Um, he was, there's a funny video of him saying, like, he's Tom Brady. What do you want me to do um, after the fight? Um, which is great. Um he won the fight, I think, I would say. So, you know. I, I would say Mike Evans it. won the fight. Yeah. But uh, to be clear, uh, in the context of that clip, um, Marshawn Lattimore shoved Tom Brady. Even if it was slightly, Mike Evans is right. That is Tom Brady. What do you expect him to do? Yeah. So, um, next week, if Julio Jones is back, big upgrade for him. If Chris Godwin's back, big upgrade for him. If they're both gone, Russell Gage is certainly very interesting. Um, so are the Rashad tight ends. Perryman. Rashad Perryman caught a touchdown this week. His is he's a name to know. And and the Bucks just signed Cole Beasley today. Um, you know, slot receivers, elite route runners with Tom Brady has been a very, very successful pairing in the past. Um, certainly could be again. So Cole Beasley is definitely a name to store away um jake we have some viewer requests today that's right yes we do we had two people ask the same question uh, michael and andrew asking us what should we make of kyle pitts should he be benched at this point should he be cut uh 
And let me start by saying, you no, you should not cut Kyle Pitts. He, he is an elite option at tight end. He's a generational talent, and he he's he's going to have better weeks. However, should we bench Kyle Pitts is a much more interesting question to me. If you drafted Kyle Pitts, chances are you did not invest heavily in your other tight end, if at all. So you may not have another option. You may have to start Kyle Pitts. But if you have an option like Gerald Everett or or like Dawson Knox or Irv Smith or something like that, I'm considering it, though I wouldn't do it for at least another week. Yeah, no, I think you got to give Kyle Pitts a chance. You know, if you spent a second or third round pick on Kyle Pitts and he busts, then your team is probably not going to be that great anyway. So, like, the unless path you're to... our, unless you're our team, unless you're our joint team, unless you're our FFPC team, that's right. Um, but you know, if you're in that situation, the easiest path to you being successful here in week three is starting Kyle Pitts against the Seahawks. Should be a good matchup. And then him performing well. Um, so I, I'm definitely still starting Kyle Pitts everywhere I drafted him, which is in a few different locations. Uh, he's playing all the snaps for the Falcons. No concerns there. Um, he's just not earning the targets over Drake London, who looks like a very, very viable fantasy option for the rest of this year. Um, but but I suspect that Kyle Pitts will certainly work his way in, um, especially after the Quotes from Arthur Smith um, this week said that, you know, we're not playing fantasy football when asked about targeting Kyle Pitts more. Um, but usually I feel like after quotes like that, they just wind up targeting the players that people were complaining about not getting targets anyway. So Yeah, that I- didn't really make sense to me. He said we're trying to win, and that means getting our best players the ball. But Kyle Pitts is probably the best player on your team. So a little bit contradictory there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was kind of weird. Um, Arthur Smith, not a great look, but I think the Falcons have actually been pretty frisky this year, more than people expected. Um, and hopefully that will materialize for Kyle Pitts sometime soon. Uh, Jake, we have a bunch of questions here. Which ones are we looking at answering? All right. So we have a few questions from Walter. Uh, let's, let's speed run this round. Uh, we have four questions here. So what is the value of Jimmy Garoppolo with no Trey Lance? For me, he's a streaming QB2 option depending on the matchup. Brandon, how about you? Yeah, uh, probably lower end quarterback two for me. All right. What is the trade value of Joe Burrow? Uh, for me, Joe Burrow's had a really bad couple of weeks. I think based on his previous performances and his reputation, he still holds a decent amount of trade value. If you can get like a flex level wide receiver or like a a low end running back too, and you have another quarterback option that you're relatively confident in, I would absolutely pull the trigger on that. Yeah, I think um, you should probably go after guys with like relatively low name value. Um, if you were trying to trade him for another quarterback, um, I probably wouldn't recommend that at this point. Um, you'd rather just wait it out on Joe Burrow. But, you know, if you could get somebody to give you Raheem Mostert for Joe Burrow, 
you know, that'd be pretty solid. And you could then stream quarterback. Um, but but I think now's not really the time to trade Joe Burrow. There's no way the Bengals are going to be this bad all year. He still has probably the best receiving core in the NFL. Um, so I just hang on, just like Kyle Pitts. Keep starting the guys that you used early draft picks on. It's only week three coming up here. Uh, what is the value of Brandon Cooks? I think he's a wide receiver, too, to a flex. Uh, he, he's going to command a large target share in Houston. Nico Collins is there, too, and he certainly looks decent. But it's clearly the Brandon Cooks show. And Davis Mills trusts Brandon Cooks far and away the most in the wide receiver room. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is the wide receiver 35 right now, right between Jarvis Landry and Sterling Shepard. I think he'll probably wind up somewhere in the 30s, um, probably closer to like 30 or 31 if he stays healthy. Nico Collins down at wide receiver 68, clearly ahead of him in the pecking order there. I think he's a pretty steady flex option. And final question, what are the best waiver wire tight end options? Uh, Tyler Conklin has seen a decent amount of targets in the Jets offense that could continue. Uh, Irv Smith had a pretty decent game Monday night. If someone dropped Dawson Knox or like Cole Komet in your league, that's another option. I've seen Robert Tunyon on the waiver wire. There's some options at tight end, but really it's it's not looking very good right now. Yeah, I agree. I think Tyler Conklin's the name to note there. I like the target share. Um, and I guess also, you know, somehow if Tyler Higby is still available, um, he would be a great target as well. He's He's been racking up points. Absolutely. Uh Final question from Ryan. Is Jonathan Taylor a bust? Uh, no, I don't think Jonathan Taylor is a bust yet. But performances, like what he's been having, are a bit concerning, especially given the overall trend of the Colts' offense, a.k.a. trending towards an aptitude. If Jonathan Taylor keeps putting up a few more performances like this, then we can start talking about him being a bust. But again, yeah. it's only week two. He's the running back seven right now. Um, I feel like if he finished as the running back seven, you'd obviously be disappointed. But if he finished as the running back five, I think you wouldn't be able to call him a bust. So, you know, he's only four points away from being just fine in terms of, uh, you know, finishing the season somewhere. Um, but, you know, he's the running back seven and the Colts scored zero points in, in one week with their quarterback giving the ball away four times already. So I uh, I would not call him a bust yet. In fact, I think he's a pretty solid by low candidate. If anybody in your league is even like the slightest bit nervous, um, I would absolutely trade away, you know, lower level guys like Miles Sanders or A.J. Dillon or Dalvin Cook. Uh, in an effort to acquire Jonathan Taylor. Now, to be fair, Jonathan Taylor did not look very good last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, whose defense is not exactly known for being stout here. Yeah, I just think you can't really judge him without Pittman. 
Um, you know, they probably had eight or nine guys in the box, you know, most plays. Uh, because you can definitely cover Paris Campbell. And I don't know, Alec Pierce didn't even play, so but just Paris Campbell um with with uh single coverage on the outside. I think this question would have been a lot more interesting if instead of Jonathan Taylor, it was Derrick Henry. Because I do think Derrick Henry so far is an absolute bust. Yeah, Derrick Henry, EPR running back 36. Um, He scored 21 fewer points than Jonathan Taylor last two weeks. Um, I'm not saying that he's a bust, but it looks like that offense is – pretty bad and Derrick Henry extracts most of his value from the Titans having a lead so he kind of needs a good defense and a good offense the offense looks bad the defense looks below average at the moment so uh, I'd start to worry start to worry at this point I would not say he's anything higher than a low end running back one Um, and that's kind of looking like his ceiling a little bit Okay, with that, uh, let's go into our reactions here real quick. A couple of reactions from me. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I believe, is a running back five in PPR right now. Uh, can you verify that for me? Yeah, that's right, running back five. All right, yeah, he's a running back five in PPR, and he has gotten, like, no touches. He's just been extremely, extremely efficient with them. Uh, I'm not expecting that to continue. And I'm not expecting Clyde to finish as the running back five, but he seems at this point like a solid flex play. However, I would like to note that Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco are getting a decent amount of work as well. And so I think this is a committee. It's just that right now Clyde is playing with a ridiculous amount of efficiency. When that goes down, I think that's going to become more clear. Yeah, what no, are he's your looked, thoughts here? He's looked great just watching his plays. Um, he's kind of running through some guys. He looks a little more elusive. Maybe he's finally healthy. Um, I think an interesting comp for him is uh, the running back three right now, DeAndre Swift. Uh, DeAndre Swift is also in a timeshare, um, but he's incredibly efficient on his touches, and he does get plenty of touches even though he is in the timeshare, just like Alaire. I mean, both of them have take – taken a, a smaller number of touches than would be ideal and turn them into excellent fantasy finishes because in part they're on great offenses that score a lot of touchdowns for you. Um, so I think it, he could try to take that sort of mold um, and turn it into a big time role with the chiefs. You know, they're always in the red zone. So that certainly helps. Um, and Pacheco really works in more you know, late in games. Um, and, and I think Jared McKinnon's actually looked pretty poor relative to where we saw him in the playoffs last year. Like whenever they take Alaire out for McKinnon, it seems like that's a pretty pretty real downgrade for their offense. Um, but, you know, until they start losing games, they're not going to start benching players. So it looks right. like it's going to be a three-headed monster for a while. But I'd say Alaire is getting he, – he's the clear leader, you know. Those other guys are just mixing in. Right, and and McKinnon has not looked very good, but Pacheco has looked pretty decent. Uh, interesting you mentioned the Lions here because 
In the NFL, there are three offenses that have scored over 71 points. The Bills have scored 72 points over these first two weeks. The Chiefs have scored 71, and the Detroit Lions have scored 71. So as much as people want to make fun of the Lions here and make fun of Detroit's ineptitude over the past X number of years, their offense is ridiculous. We said it on this podcast. They have a top offensive line, uh, top three, uh, and they're not number three. They have a great two-headed running back committee in Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. They have a true number one wide receiver, Norman Ross St. Brown, and they're going to get Jamison Williams back. We we said kind of the question here was Jared Goff, but Jared Goff has looked good, which means this offense has been humming. So I guess real quick, do we expect that to continue? Yeah, Jake, I think this offense has a ridiculous amount of talent. Um, they're getting Jamison Williams back, as you mentioned, at some point, probably week you know, seven or so. Um, this is definitely a team that could be frisky for the wild card uh, in the NFC. And I think um, they will have a very, very, very difficult decision with what to do with Jared Goff after this year because it's impossible to fail with the weapons that he has. And I feel like, honestly, you know, I think Jalen Hurts is obviously very good and better than Jared Goff, but I think he's in a similar situation where it's almost impossible to fail with the weapons that he has. So it's hard to judge him. Um, do you think Goff gets an extension in Detroit? I think Goff might get something like Tannehill got where he gets a couple extra years. I do think it is very hard to fail with the offensive setup that Detroit has. Very similarly to Philadelphia, great running backs, top offensive line, uh, great wide receivers, a good tight end. And it's just really hard to fail with that much talent on the field. Uh, Something I've noted here and something that people have been bringing up is that the top wide receivers are clearly outperforming the top running backs in fantasy football for the first two weeks. Uh, Something to note, the top 12 wide receivers uh, have scored an average of 25.3 points per game in PPR. The top 12 running backs have only averaged 18.7 points per game. That is a difference of about 6.7. And... That is at least a touchdown. Uh, Moreover, this is extending to standard scoring as well. So wide receivers do not get the benefit of points per reception. The wide receivers are averaging 17.8 points per game, and the running backs are averaging 15.5. Is this If this trend continues, Brandon, how are we going to be evaluating – are we going to be evaluating running backs and wide receivers for fantasy football in the future? Over the past decade, the NFL's become increasingly more focused on the passing game. However, fantasy football has kind of done the opposite, where we've increasingly focused on running backs just because they're so scarce. Do you think that's going to continue, or maybe we take more wide receivers because the amount of production that these top 12 wide receivers are giving us is that much better than the running backs now. Yeah. No, I think, I think what's going to change is, you know, right now 
this past year at least, if you did a draft, there were probably 12 to 15 running backs in the first two rounds. And I think that's going to change to a point where you still have a few running backs going in the early first because they are elite difference makers. But most of the late first and the second round will be made up of those wide receivers that are giving you the big time production. Um, so that's just thinking back, you know, guys like uh, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, those kind of running backs that don't have the elite upside are, are not going to go in round two. They're going to probably go in round three. Uh, and you're going to see guys like Stefan Diggs move up into round one instead of like one, two turn sort of area. Yeah, I think I'm in raw. Like uh, AJ Brown, those guys that were going in rounds four are more likely to go in rounds two now. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so as well. Um, and honestly, that's going to make it more fun because when you're drafting right now, you either kind of have to take both your running backs with the first two picks, or you're accepting that you're going to have a weakness at the position. Whereas, uh, you know, if, if the model changes and people start taking receivers, then you're going to be able to make, you know, nice looking rosters where you don't have to use all your early picks on one position. So I think that'll be more fun. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It, it was, it was tough to draft this year. Uh, me and you both talked about it on this podcast. You needed to get the running backs early or else your team was not going to do very well. And so far that has shown itself. But at the same time, these wide receivers are just putting up so many points and they're becoming huge difference makers in these weekly matchups. So I do expect something to change. I expect major change in 2023 in how people are drafting. Uh Brandon, do we want to move on to our trade targets here? Um, sure, Jake. Which of your trade targets uh, are you going after this week? Right. So I have three by-load targets here. I have DK Metcalf, Ezekiel Elliott, and Kyle Pitts. All three of these guys have underperformed where you've drafted them. They have not scored, and they have not kind of given you the production that you would expect. I expect all three to have a much better Future, there's no way Ezekiel Elliott, who's averaging over five yards per carry, is going to get out-touched by Tony Pollard. Uh, there's no way that DK Metcalf is going to be contained as much as he was. He had that ridiculous reception that was called back. Did you see that play? I didn't see that play, Jack. What happened? He basically mossed the defender and caught the ball one-handed over his face for – at least 50 yards. It was unfortunately called back, but it, it was just a ridiculously athletic play. And then Kyle Pitts, uh, he just needs to get more involved in the Falcons offense. Kyle Pitts had the targets week one. He did not have them week two. So they're involving him less, which is the wrong way to go about things. Uh, they need to get him out of this funk. And I, I do believe they are going to. But for me, the guy I'm going to target here is I'm going to be targeting Ezekiel Elliott of these three. And the reason why is I think Zeke's value and the perception of Ezekiel Elliott as a fantasy football player and as a football player in general is at an all-time low. Uh, people aren't really looking 
at how Ezekiel Elliott is running and kind of how efficient he's been this season, I think they're just going to look at, oh, he only had 50 yards. He didn't get a touchdown. And I think that's what, and I think that's going to trickle out of people into thinking that Zeke is bad. And he by no means is bad. He's been very efficient so far with his touches. He's looked really good. It's just the Cowboys, for whatever reason, have decided not to give him any opportunities and instead throw the ball exclusively to Noah Brown. Uh, <laughs> so he's my target. Brandon, of the guys you have listed, Kyle Pitts, Chris Olave, Jonathan Taylor, who are you targeting and why? Um, I think Chris Olave is the guy to target here. Um, I think if you drive to Jonathan Taylor, you're probably hoping to hold on. And because there haven't been very many great running backs so far this year, there isn't like a lot of ammunition to go and get Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, maybe you could pair Chubb and something to get Taylor. I would definitely do that. But the guy that I'm really interested in here as somebody who's definitely gettable is Chris Olave. Uh, he led the NFL in air yards. In fact, over the course of the week, he had more air yards than any player has ever received in a week, uh, according to certain uh, groups that track this pretty niche stat. And I think it's fair to assume that if you're in a home league, people aren't talking about air yards too often. So, uh, you know, Jameis Winston is throwing the ball downfield to Chris Olave over and over again to the tune of 320 plus air yards this past week. So uh, eventually, you know, he's going to start coming down with these and he's going to put in some monster fantasy weeks. Um, and you can probably get him right now for almost nothing, considering the production he's put out so far. Um, so I would definitely, you know, trade some of your guys who maybe scored a touchdown. Maybe I would trade Tyler Lockett as an, as an example to get Chris Olave. Uh, Tyler Lockett coming off of a great week. Um, but Chris Olave, big time upside in, what, in an offense that's hopefully – uh, going to be more productive than the, the Seattle offense. Um, so definitely go and grab him um, while you still can. And in dynasty leagues too, I think uh, this is probably the lowest his value will ever be. Um, so we'd definitely be interested in in going out and getting him in those kind of leagues as well. Jake, that's by low. Who are you selling high on here? Uh, I have a couple guys here as well. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Mari Cooper, and Tony Pollard. Uh, I would be remiss to not choose Tony Pollard here because I chose Zeke. But I am – looking at my guys, I am going to do that, actually. Uh, Tony Pollard has looked relatively decent so far. However – Comparing him to Zeke, who has over five yards per rush, Tony Pollard is averaging 3.4 yards per carry. He has 15 carries for 51 yards and a touchdown. He has six receptions for 69 yards and no touchdown. The value with Tony Pollard is not that he's a good runner because he is by all means worse than Ezekiel Elliott at actually running the football. The value here is... Tony Pollard's pass catching ability and six catches for 69 yards between games. It's pretty decent, but that's not what people wanted to when 
they drafted Tony Pollard. They wanted like five, six receptions a game. They were targeting potentially that. Ezekiel Elliott, meanwhile, in the passing game, let's take a look here. Ezekiel Elliott has 25 carries for 105 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. He has two receptions. He does have minus seven receiving yards. But if you've looked at the way the Cowboys threw him the ball, they did not do him any favors. Uh, We don't want Tony Pollard to have only four more receptions than Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, It's clear that Zeke is still the primary guy here. And while the perception that Tony Pollard is kind of taking over a timeshare is still around, I would want to sell it because by week four or week five, that myth isn't is likely to be dispelled. Brennan, I see here you have a few guys here that you sell high, you want to sell high, one of which we overlap on. Do you want to kind of elaborate who you're going to pick here? Sure. Um, my three guys, Amari Cooper, Jalen Waddle, Daryl Henderson. Um, they all scored touchdowns this past week, which I think is definitely the right time to sell a player like this. I expect all or I expect Amari Cooper and Jalen Waddle to both be pretty inconsistent. Um Jalen Waddle, though, is coming off of one of the best fantasy weeks we've seen from a wide receiver, um, you know, at this young of an age. And um, I think you can probably get some pretty top-tier stuff for Jalen Waddle. Uh, but mostly what I'd be interested in doing is packaging him and somebody else to go up and get somebody like a Stefan Diggs or a Jamar Chase, um, who I'm pretty confident are going to continue being the absolute lead dogs in their good passing offenses. Whereas with Jalen Waddle, I think there are going to be some weeks where he probably has to disappear a little bit um, as Tyreek Hill's getting targets and the Dolphins are running the ball a little bit more. So I like the idea of cashing in on Waddle, trying to upgrade him. Cooper, I would trade him for you know any sort of running back you can get your hands on, coming off a good week, great name value. And Daryl Henderson, I mentioned here, um, he had fewer carries than Cam Akers this past week. Um, not a good sign for him. He did get the touchdown, which is why you might be able to trade him. Um, but that looks like a 50-50 timeshare. Their offensive line is so bad. Um, and Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup have such good chemistry in the red zone. You know, I expect uh, him to be relatively disappointing the rest of the way. So if you could get somebody solid for him, I would probably probably do that. Hmm, pardon me. All right, uh, right, so let's get into the final section here, our waiver wire picks. Uh, I was combing the waiver wire this week in preparation for this episode, and I was absolutely disgusted by what I saw. There's really no one left. Uh, people are getting too smart. They're just grabbing all of the good players week one. But that does not mean people haven't emerged since then. That's right, Jake. I, I totally agree. Um, definitely slim pickings on the waivers this week. Not a lot of appealing options. Nobody, I would, nobody out there is a, a must grab. But there are some guys that, you know, like let's, if you had somebody get hurt this past week and you moved your guy to the IR slot and there's a free opening on your roster, there are definitely guys that are worthy of a free opening over 
um, you know, maybe like a running back handcuff or a second quarterback or second defense even. Um, some of these guys are, are better than that. Uh, who are a couple of your favorites? Uh, I guess starting off, I do think there is one guy that if he's on your waivers, you absolutely need to grab him. That is Washington Commanders quarterback Carson Wentz. Believe it or not, Carson Wentz has been the QB4 through these first two weeks. The Commanders are throwing a lot. And I expect that to continue because they're going to be facing high-octane offenses like the Philadelphia Eagles. And because they're not they're not exactly going to win a lot of games here. They're not a very good football team, uh, which means they're going to be in a lot of deficits, which means they're going to need Carson Wentz to kind of get them out of that. So I firmly expect the commanders to continue what they're doing on offense. Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel look great. They're getting a ton of targets, and I would imagine they would want to continue getting these options of ball. Uh, Carson Wentz has thrown a lot of touchdowns here. I expect maybe that number to come down a little bit, but I do expect him to continue to be throwing the ball at a high volume. So if you were streaming quarterbacks, if you were maybe looking to get a guy as a result of like Trey Lance's injury, Carson Wentz is the golden goose of the waiver wire. He's he's not going to be here by next week. Uh, I think – if James Connors out, Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin could be options as well. But there's two wide receivers here that I also want to target: Noah Brown, Greg Dortch. Uh, both of them have had really decent week ones and saw a decent amount of targets, and they followed it up with solid performances week two. Typically, if there's a guy who we're not exactly sure about on the waiver wire. We want to see two weeks of solid performance. We got those two weeks, so I'm picking those guys up. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, we also have Tua on our list for quarterbacks. He's the quarterback five so far this year. Um, Jake, do you prefer Wentz or Tua? I prefer Wentz uh, just because Tua had an absolutely amazing week two game. But I'm not expecting Tua to be throwing six touchdowns per week. I think we can pretty reliably say that Carson Wentz will throw at least one to two touchdowns. He'll throw over for two. He'll throw for two over 200 yards. He'll run for a few. I don't think we can say Tua will throw for t- six touchdowns again. I think I'll take the more consistent performance of Carson here. Yeah, I think I like both of them though. Uh, I think both both quarterbacks benefit from having really inefficient rushing attacks from their running backs. Uh, Chase Edmonds and Antonio Gibson both have been pretty low on a yards per carry basis so far this year, which is forcing their coaches to pass. Um, You mentioned Greg Dortch. I'd pass on him at this point, probably. Rondell Moore is looking like he's coming back. And then DeAndre Hopkins will come back sooner or later. So Dortch is really only a a short-term emergency play. And I'd probably only play him in the event that Rondell Moore is out again. Uh, But Noah Brown, you brought up, He's very interesting to me. Uh, he looked pretty good. You know, he's a big body. He made some contested catches. And now Dalton Schultz is out. Um, so if you need an emergency starter for next week, um, I would think about going with Noah Brown. They play the Giants. Not a terrible matchup either. Presumably, C.D. Lamb will be getting all the attention in that game. 
Uh, we mentioned Tyler Conklin earlier. You need a tight end, Gerald Everett as well. Obviously, Everett over Conklin, but both are fine. And uh, Jordan Mason, Jake. I'm not going to let the Jordan Mason dream die after just one week. Uh, he lost. It looks like he was competing with Tyrion Davis-Price to be the number two running back for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, before week one, it looks like he won the running back three job there. Um, and then Elijah Mitchell got hurt, and people were expecting him, myself included, to be the number two behind Jeff Wilson. Um, but it looks like Tyrion Davis-Price passed him between week one and week two. And then in week two, Jeff Wilson did very well. Tyrion Davis-Price did pretty poorly, and then he hurt his ankle. Um, so now Jordan Mason has to be the running back, too. Um, and Tyrion Davis-Price had, I believe, 14 carries this past week. Jordan Mason can expect um, some volume this coming week for San Francisco. He's a rookie running back, uh, fresh legs, really good camp. And I expect good things from him. Um, so I, he's definitely somebody I would take a flyer on. Um, and, you know, who knows if Jeff Wilson gets hurt, then Jordan Mason is uh, running back one. So definitely better than any uh, running back handcuffs you may be rostering that are not playing right now. Uh, let me also bring up Corey Davis here. We said we were going to talk about him a little earlier. He's gotten 14 receptions so far. Uh, he's he's getting a lot of targets. Sorry, he's gotten 14 targets so far. He's getting a decent amount of targets, and he's really eating into Elijah Moore's workload here. Uh, if – Corey Davis is going to continue averaging somewhere around the neighborhood of like five to seven targets a game. He is also someone on waivers that you should absolutely be considering. Um, that type of production and workload alone would consider him a viable option to pick up. And then Irv Smith also looked really good if he's on your waivers. Absolutely look to potentially grab him, especially if you're stuck with someone like Cole Komet, who is on a failing Bears offense that cannot get any good players the football. Yeah, Jake, let's uh, close off the show with uh, Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, uh, two of the most disappointing players in fantasy. Both of them had terrible week ones, and we said, just wait till week two, and then they've had terrible week twos, Jake. Uh, give me the panic meter on each of these players. The and panic let me know meter... Are you closer to dropping them than you are to starting them? I think they're both clearly bench guys, but are you closer to dropping or starting? So I'm so closer to starting. Again, it's only been two weeks, but uh, the panic meter is uh, uh, Justin Fields out of 10. Uh, <laughs> Justin Fields has only thrown 28 passes, and only six of those passes have gone to Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. That is 22 passes too few. Uh, there's no reason why the Bears are doing what they're doing. Like It's like they're tanking for the number one pick, Brandon. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really understand it. You know, maybe their offensive line is so bad that they can't get the ball downfield. Uh, I, I don't think that Justin Fields is like really bad. I mean, maybe I'm just not watching enough Bears games, but... I think he's like a fine, below average young quarterback, but there's no reason at all that Joe Flacco should be throwing for 300 yards and four touchdowns 
and Justin Fields top two targets are combining for zero yards. That, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, they're, they seem like they're pretty well coached now. I've heard good things about Ibra Flus. Um, so, you know, this has to change. It just has to. Um, but just an odd situation with total, you know, goose eggs from guys that were drafted in like the sixth and the eighth round. Um, but, but you're not starting Cole Komet. You know, you, you, would you rather start Tyler Conklin this week or Cole Komet? If I had a choice, I'd start Tyler Conklin. Cole Komet has – I'm starting Cole Komet in a couple of weeks, though, because I do not have a choice. Uh, there's really no reason for why Chicago is doing what they're doing. You're supposed to get the ball to your best players, not to Byron Pringle. So I, I – look – I I don't know. I, I really I don't understand. I don't understand, Brandon. That's that's how we're ending this podcast. I, I what we will see you next week. Uh, if you have one thing to keep in mind, it is do not start any Chicago Bears unless you are absolutely forced to. Any any <laughs> final thoughts here? Um, nope. That's pretty sound advice. Yeah. Uh, peace out, everybody.